Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they for girls of my age. Today my guest is the Eleanor Mills, who until March 2020 was the Executive Director of the Sunday Times, where she worked for 22 years. Eleanor recently launched Noon, an online media platform and community for middle-aged women. Thanks for joining me today, Eleanor. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to motivational speaking and have you always been interested in business? Right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, my career uh, to begin with is very much about being a journalist. And that came about because I always liked uh, writing. Um, I always liked writing stories at school and I used to write poems and those kind of things. And uh, one of the great things about being a journalist is is it doesn't really feel like you're doing a job because uh, most of the time you are you just get to go and do really interesting things and um, ask people questions and generally be a bit nosy. And then you kind of go home and write it up. So I always used to think that that was pretty good when I used to talk to friends of mine who were being bankers or accountants or things like that, which always sounded really boring to me. But one of the things about being a journalist, which is always good, is that it has to be interesting by its very nature or nobody's going to want to read your story in the newspaper. So it meant, meant your life was a bit more interesting. So I did that for a long time. And then part of being a journalist, and I ran um, newspapers and magazines and all those kind of things, is that you um, you get to you get to cover a lot of interesting stories and to meet a lot of really um, famous and um, interesting people who are doing great stuff. So often you get asked to talk about that. So I would say that my um, my move into motivational speaking probably came out about because I had lots of good stories to tell because of the things that I've been doing as a journalist. Uh, and then when I left the Sunday Times after a very, very long time, um, in, during which I had two children of my own and I arrived there when I was 27 and I left when I was 50. Um, and then I decided that I was going to use all those stories that I knew and all the people that I'd met to try and set up my own media company, um, which has been very exciting. And one of the great things about starting up a business when you're 50 is that you have to learn to do loads of new things. So everything from doing IGTV to um, this morning, I was doing something called StreamYard, which probably you you people will know about, which is a streaming platform that people, lots lots of young boys use for gaming. Um, so that I could set up a Facebook Live because I was talking to somebody. So I'm learning all sorts of things that I would never have learned if I'd stayed as a journalist. But I would say that being a journalist is quite a fun life. When you were at school, did you know what you wanted to do or be, or did that happen later in life? I think when I was at school, I did. I really did not know what I wanted to be. Um, but I always wanted. I always knew the kind of thing that I wanted to do, and I think that that's probably a better way to think about it. So I always like writing and I like talking to people. Um, and so I thought that probably whatever I ended up doing would be something which involved those two things. And I've always been quite cheeky and I like asking questions and I'm quite nosy and I feel like I have the right to know things. So, so all of those things are good qualities in a journalist. So I think when you're thinking about what you're going to do, think about what your character's like, You know, what you're really like, what you really are interested in. I mean, for me, sitting down and having to add up a whole load of things on a math sheet would be horrible. And I would really hate to have to do that every day. So you have to think about the things that you like doing in your life, the things that come quite easily to you. And that's probably where you're going to end up doing something that you enjoy when you're grown up. I know you went to Oxford University. 
How important do you think it actually is to go to university, though? I think it's really important to go to university um, if you like studying. Um, I had a really great time there. And see, that was really important. And a lot of my best friends now are people that I knew when I was at Oxford and um, they've gone on to be friends of mine for the rest of my life. So in some ways, I think going to university is about lots of the people that you meet and the things that you do there and the friendships that you make that stay with you for a really long time. So I would suggest going to university is a good idea on that front. But it depends what you want to do with your life. If you want to do something which is like fashion or something which is kind of more hands on, then the only real way to learn how to do that is to go into a job and start doing it. Or if you're you know, being a chef or something like that. There are some things that you just need to learn from really good people who are actually doing it. So I don't think university is the be all and end all, but it is jolly good fun. And you can go to lots of fun parties and you meet lots of great people. And that's all a good thing, too. What was your favourite thing about working for the Sunday Times? Uh, I think probably all the people that I got to meet and the sense that you have of knowing what's going on. So you're speaking to the prime minister or you're speaking politicians and you know all the people who have got their hands on the levers of power um, and that's quite fun so the knowing is good and um, also that you're creating the news that everybody else talks about so in some ways you create the agenda you would sit there and think okay we'll do an article about oh I don't know something to do say, say you were doing something about food and you're saying everybody's eating omelettes this weekend you could actually kind of create of that happening because you'd say it and then everybody would kind of go out and do it, do it, do it. So there was a kind of sense that you could kind of pull people's strings and that you knew what was going on and you were kind of creating that, which was quite fun. I think that that's changed a lot now with social media, that the newspapers aren't nearly as important as they used to be because people can speak directly through social media. They don't need to go through newspapers. But if you think before there was there was social media and the Internet and things, the only way to communicate with a broader audience was through the newspapers. So they were very powerful and they're not so powerful now. Well, talking about social media, um, when we look at social media, which I know plays a huge part in your job, what advice would you give girls, say, about my age, about how to use it and not use it? I would be careful. Um, I would I would remind myself that everything that you put on social media um, would you want to have it on a billboard at the end of your road? Would you want it to be on an enormous poster as you walked into your school? So I would think that everything that you put out there on the Internet or on your social media platforms could be made public. So be very careful about, say, posting pictures of yourself with no clothes on or um, something which is a bit silly, which you think your friends might like. Just remember that it's a public forum. and Also, that once you put picture or something like that on Instagram or or um, Snapchat or whatever it belongs to the social media platform where you post it it stops being your copyright so just be just think about how they are using you and remember that if you're not paying for a service then the people who are providing that service are using you um, as the way that they're making their income so everything you click on on social media goes into an algorithm where somebody is thinking, oh, Grace likes um, Grace likes orange shirts, you know, and we'll try and sell you that in the future. So just just always be really aware of what the transaction is, what's going on when you're on social media. And remember, it's a very public place. 
things because it can feel very private it's just you and your phone but it isn't and also if someone is mean to you or, sh- or sends you something horrible or you see something that you don't like report it tell somebody i know you have two daughters how did you achieve that work-life balance when you were raising them and what tips did you give them when they started to think about their careers and their future Oh, that's a very good question. So when they were small, I'm very lucky. I have a very lovely husband um, and he was he always worked from home. So when I was in the office doing late hours and things, working on the newspaper, he was often here. And it would often be him who would, you know, if they were ill, would, would take them to the doctor or that kind of thing, because I had to um, go go to work. So that that made it easier. But I always came home. I was trying to I always tried to get home before they went to bed bed and then we would get in the bath together and then I would lie in bed with them and read stories and I always made sure that we had kind of proper time together at the end of the day so I would know what was going on um, in their lives and we were very close I think and they they're both very different from my daughters one of them is very interested in English and English literature she's going to Oxford to my old college to study English literature this um, autumn which I'm very proud about and the um, little one is really interested in geography and classics and um, politics and is interested in kind of big systems. So I think what you learn about your children is that they're going to be themselves kind of whatever you do. And all you can do is kind of encourage them in the things that they're interested in. So I bought the older one, always bought her lots of books and we read lots of books together and talked about books. Um, and the little one prefers I don't know what she likes. She likes. She really likes watching things on on, on TV, and she like listening to things because she was quite dyslexic. So I think you just have to go with what your children um, are into. And the most important thing I think as a as a young person is to find out what makes you really excited. You know, what what do you really believe in? What do you care about? And the the way to have an interesting life, I think, is to try and get a job or work in an area which is around something that you really care about and is interesting in because if it's something that you love doing then going to work doesn't feel like a hardship you know it just feels like an extension of things that you like doing and I've been very lucky in my life that that's always been the case I've never done a job that was boring Um, and so that would be my big advice to you is pursue something that you love even if it looks like a more difficult road because in the end you'll end up it won't feel like work it'll just feel like you're you spend your whole life doing things that you care about you must have met some amazing people in your career. Is there one or more than one pe- person who really stands out to you? I would say that there are two who really stand out for me. One was a man called Mikhail Gorbachev, um, who was the leader of Russia, of the Soviet Union, um, in something called Glasnost, when they stopped being a kind of communist empire and became a bit more um, open to the West. He was an incredible man, very charismatic, very charming. Um, I went to interview him in a small ho- in, a, in a small hotel room in central London, and he had so many advisors with him that I ended up having to do the interview sitting on the ground, basically, in front of him at his feet with his interpreter. Um, with his interpreter kind of translating what I'm saying into Russian and then his words back again. It was a very crazy situation. But he was so charming and so interesting and so, I don't know, he just had a quality about him that was really mesmerising. And I can see why he was such an important leader in Russia. He, I've never forgotten him. He was. He just had an incredible energy. So he was a really amazing man. 
And then the other person I met who I thought was really amazing was um, somebody called the Dalai Lama, who is a, like a spiritual leader in Tibet. Um, I, I can't really remember what we talked about, but I can remember the feeling of him. He just... He, he just kind of laughed. He was very kind of, he just had this hilarious quality. You know, there are some people that you, when you meet, you just kind of want to giggle and they make you feel very joyful. And he had that quality about him. And that always made me feel that maybe actually that was one of the most important things in life is to feel that kind of joy and that kind of capacity for a, a kind of lightness, for a um, for kind of humour, for a kind of, for the it was felt like the sun was shining. And I've always remembered that feeling. And I think that that's an important place, important thing to look for in the life that you're going to live. Well, obviously, we've all been hit hard by COVID. How have you had to deal with the COVID-19 issues? Oh, well, I got COVID myself last year, which was not very nice. I lay in bed and felt very sweaty and pretty pretty ill for a couple of weeks. I didn't have to go to hospital, so I was lucky there. Um, And... I also left my job at the Sunday Times just before the first lockdown. So for me, it's been a year of massive transition and um, change. And I've set up my whole new media company um, in the whole of in lockdown. So I think lockdown in some ways has been great because all the people that you wanted to talk to, you could just pick up the phone and they would be at their house. You know, nobody was traveling or away or um, in a meeting kind of with people face to face so in some ways it's very easy to get in touch with people um, and I think also we're all in a situation where we're all doing the same thing aren't we we're all kind of at home with our families and that has been a kind of great leveler so I think in some ways it's been quite a good time to launch a business because people were interested in reading new things online um, and it was in, it was easy to get in touch with people so um, and also everyone was living slightly weird life which was not like the life that they'd lived before so given that I'd had a change from the place that I'd worked at for 23 years I think actually lockdown for me was quite good and it meant that I spent a lot of time with my daughters who are doing GCSEs and um, A-levels so I've been around all the time um, and it's been quite a kind of calm peaceful time although I've been working very hard trying to organise my new business. The world is changing so much and so quickly. What do you think work for women might look like in 10 years time or hope that work for women might be like in 10 years time? Well, that's a really interesting question, because the thing is that women are not equal yet. It says that we are in the law, but it's only 100 years since we got the vote. And um, there have been 2000 years of the kind of civilization that we have now where men have been in charge. So it's going to take more than 100 years to change that round. And, and it's still the case that the leaders in business and in government um, and all over the place are still predominantly men, um, probably 20 percent women, maybe sometimes 30 percent, 70 percent men. So I hope that your generation um, will be um, there'll be a lot more female leaders and that you'll all grow up thinking that women have got absolutely as much right to be in charge of things as men have. Um, and but I think it's been quite difficult to change perceptions. And I think that that changes with each generation. And there are certainly things that my daughter um, put up with, which we had to put up with when we were coming into the workplace. When I first started being a newspaper editor, I was often the only woman in a whole room full of men. And people would turn to me and go, Eleanor, what do women think? And you go, well, I'm just one woman. You know, there are quite a lot of us. <laughs> but it, it was very that was that was difficult. 
Um, and also you were very much aware that you were in a man's world all the time and they kind of thought that you should be grateful to be there. So it was quite hard to kind of tackle some of the attitudes or some of the things that people said because you were often the only woman in the room. And that's got a bit better. And I hope that by the time you all go into work that there are a lot more women and that you are brave and speak up and say and really call out the things that you don't agree with because that's how change happens. Well, I've really it's okay to be a bit frightened sometimes or feel done. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Eleanor. Thank you so much. I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcast as I talk to many more brilliant women. Thank you to our sponsors, Haynes Watts and Levi Strauss, for their amazing support.